Shrimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 15, Description of the Kingdom of God, Text Number 30. Tambikshavata rasanam chatura kumaran Vedanda sadavaya so vittitat matatvan Vedanda sadavaya so vittitat ahanam Tejo vihasya bhagat Translation in purple by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Śrīla Prabhupāgi, The four boy, boy sages, who had nothing to cover their bodies but the atmosphere, looked only five years old, even though they were the oldest of all living creatures, and had realized the truth of the self. But when the porters, who happened to possess a disposition quite unpalatable to the Lord, saw the sages, they blocked their way with their staffs, despising their glories, although the sages did not deserve such treatment at their hands. The four sages were the firstborn sons of Brahma. Therefore, all other living entities, including Lord Shiva, are born later and are therefore younger than the four Kumaras. Although they look like five-year-old boys and travel naked, the Kumaras were older than all other living creatures and had realized the truth of the self. Such saints were not to be forbidden to enter the kingdom of Vaikuntha, but by chance the doormen objected to their entrance. This was not fitting. The Lord was always anxious to serve sages like the Kumaras, but in spite of knowing this fact, the doormen astonishingly and outrageously prohibited them from entering. Om Gyan Tamanandasya Gyan Rasharakya Chakshum Nitamyana Tasmeshi Gurvenama Panchakapa Turuvishya Kripa Sindhu Vevacha Patitanam Pavni Vyo Vaishnav Vyo Namonama Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityanam Shri Advaita Gadadha Shivasiri Gaurabhaktarinna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare I'll read the translation again. The four boy sages, who had nothing to cover their bodies, but the atmosphere, looked only five years old. But even though they were the oldest of all living creatures, and had realized the truth of the self, but when the porters, who happened to possess a disposition quite unpalatable to the Lord, saw the sages, they blocked their way with their staffs, despising their glories. Although the sages did not deserve such treatment at their hands. Hare Krishna. Um, so just to catch up what's been happening. So um, Diti was pregnant with the two sons of Hanyanyaksha and Hanyanyakashipu. So when they were in the womb, so darkness overcovered the whole universe. The demigods were worried. We can't do our service. What's going on here? So they went to Lord Brahma to ask, inquire, what's going on? What can we do? 
So um, Lord Ra uh, started describing the fall down of Jaya and Vijaya. So that's who Ranyaksha and Ranyakashapu are. This chapter is called Description of the Kingdom of God. So it first describes, uh, Lord Brahma first describes the, the beauty and opulence of the Vaikuntha Loka. And um, the, the Kumaras, um, being like children and great sages, they can go anywhere and everywhere in the universe. So in the purple here, um, so they came to the gates of Vaikuntha, and uh, what we see here now, the doorkeepers of Vaikuntha have stopped the sages from entering. The previous verse saying that um, being like children, uh, like children can go anywhere they like, and you know, if they come into someone's house and take some fruit, oh, that's so nice, you know, but a grown man comes and takes you fruit, hey, what are you doing here? Get out, you know. So it's always adorable. So they had that disposition, even though they were very. Um, they were Brahmanandi, they were Brahmanualized. They were liberated souls. They were untouched by the um, three modes of material nature. Brahma, Bhuya, Yakalpite. So, um, Prabhupada says that the um, firstborn sons of Brahma, older than Lord Shiva. So, when Lord Brahma was put in charge of this particular universe, he had to populate the universe with living entities to fulfill their material desires. This material world is created for two purposes. Number one, to fulfill the foolish desire of the living entity to enjoy separately from Krishna, or try and be Krishna. So you get a little playground called the material world. And the second is to uh, reform the living entity to make him realize that he made a mistake. So you slap him around a bit to make him understand that what he's done is so foolish, the misuse of his small independence. So, Lord Brahma had four sons emanating his mental from, from, from his body, his emanating son. So, those are the four Kumaras, and he said, Okay, we need you to pro- uh, create progeny. Take up Grihastha Ashram. <laughs> get married. Why don't you get married? <laughs> you know, have children. You know? They said no. <laughs> they refused. No, because they were born liberated. Why should we slow down our spiritual progress to um, engage in material affairs? Why should we do that? So they refused. And Lord Brahma um, wasn't happy with it. So from his anger, Rudra emanated from his, in between his eyebrows, out of anger of the four Kumaras not doing what he, what he told them to do. So that's why the four Kumaras are considered older than Lord Shiva, even though they look like five-year-old boys, always. Govindesh elaborated that they stayed five years old. There's two factors according to that. They had so much sense control, control of their body, that they didn't grow old. They stayed five years old. Because if you grow older, then like... Once puberty hits, then the sex desire hormones, everything like that. So they didn't want to go through that. So they stayed, kept their body at five years old. Such amazing control of the body. We have another Kumari here. <laughs> Eternal Kumari. <laughs> I don't think he grows old, though. 
So the four Kumaras, uh, in, in terms of um, being authorities in the, in the universe, or spiritual authorities, um, to get darshan of the Lord, to be uh, um, intimate with the Lord, they are highly qualified. Um, they have their own sampradaya, there's four sampradayas, uh, bona fide sampradayas, that one can connect to in disciplic succession to know the absolute truth. Ivam Raptam, Ivam Raja Vidu. So the, the, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that um, the saintly kings understood this supreme science through disciplic succession. So to connect to this, there's four lines, and the four Kumaras in charge of one of those lines. So highly qualified to enter Vaikuntha. They knew the truth, Ahamra Masmi. Uh, they had Gyanas uh, Tatpadashina. They could see the truth. And we approach such personalities to understand Krishna, because one cannot approach Krishna directly. One can only approach him through the devotee. So highly qualified to enter into the gates of Vaikuntha. Srila Prabhupada says here, such saints were not to be forbidden to enter the kingdom of Vaikuntha. But by chance, the doorman objected to their entrance. So what does Prabhupada say about chance? Does anything happen by chance? No, there's no such thing as an accident. He says, let, let an accident happen and let me be rich. <laughs> let chance come and let me be rich. He says, no, this is foolish. The scientists say that everything came by chance. Just there was a big bang and then everything came. There's one story with, uh, was it Isaac Newton? So, um, so he, had, he went to his, no, someone visited him. And uh, so he set up a whole like solar system and everything, like a whole model like this. And his friend goes, wow, how did you do this? Uh, looks amazing, you know, who designed this, who made this, you know? Because no, there was a big bang outside and then it just happened. No, 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 there must have been someone <laughs> who made it. And nothing comes from a big bang. It's not like uh, you, you get a whole bunch of wood and bricks and then put a bomb there and then it builds a house on its own. Nothing like that happens. There's some order, there's some design, there's some intelligence behind it. So why does Prabhupada said here, by chance, the doorman objected the entrance? So obviously the Supreme Lord is involved. Uh, because Jai and Vijay, being uh, residents of the spiritual world, they're pure in heart. And they know exactly what is the Lord's desires. But sometimes the Lord bewilders His devotees in order to teach us a lesson. Just like in Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna being uh, the best friend of Krishna, but he put him under bewilderment so he can ask questions for our benefit and then Krishna can be, speak the essence of all the Vedas through Bhagavad Gita. So many times in the, in the Bhagavatam, you know, even Lord Shiva being bewildered um, by Mohini Murti, 
like Lord Shiva is considered the most uh, sober and uh, <coughs> steady personality, Vaishnava Yatasram, the most greatest Vaishnava. But still, in order to teach us, uh, even he can get bewildered. What to speak of us? <laughs> you know, keep us nice and humble, keep us sincere, to understand our position and uh, how di- how difficult it is to um, try and overcome material nature. Devi eshi gunamaya mama maya turatiya mama prantante maya tam tarantite. Krishna says that the, this material energy consisting of the three modes of material nature is very difficult to overcome. But one who surrenders unto me can easily overcome it. So different times where it looks like that the pure devotees of the Lord are bewildered or acting out of, out of line. It's only to teach us a lesson. So we can say here that there's there are many reasons, but we can think, I can only think of two at the moment. That Krishna, he likes to fight. <laughs> uh, he's, he has a club and a chakra. Fighting. <laughs> he likes to fight. So, no one in, the, in Vaikuntha is there to like, give him a real challenge, you know. So it's like, you know, it's, like, it's all in reverence in Vaikuntha. Okay, let him win. It, it, it's not the real, you can't get the real, like, uh, shivery rasa there. So, um, the Lord organized this uh, episode with the four Kumarans um, to, to give an opportunity for him to descend into the material and exercise his taste for fighting. And he really went for it, huh? <laughs> with Haranyaksha. He descended as Varaha. And it was an epic battle, epic, epic battle, you know. Hiranyaksha got the upper hand. You know, he was keeping the earth prison in the Garbhadaka Ocean, in the hellish regions. And then to save the earth, Varaha lifted, lifted her up with his tusk and placed her in position. And then Hiranyaksha challenged her. Who do you think you are? Big battle took place. And then what actually happened, that Varaha got his club knocked out. He dropped his club. All the demigods are freaking out. No, my lord, alas, alas. You know, they think they'll think you're going to lose, you know. So just to create that more, you know, for the demigods, for the whole moon. And then at the last moment, then Raha just slaps him in the air. Some blood comes out and he drops dead. Everyone, yeah, shouts, the drums are playing, bugles are blowing. It's a big celebration. And then... The brother, Haranyaksha, I mean Haranyakashipu, he vowed enemy of Lord Vishnu. Okay, he's even, you know, will drink his blood and cut his hair, saying stuff like this, real offensive stuff. So you can, you can see that he, he played the role of a real demon, real hardcore demon. And then, like you see, the arrangements of the Lord made him super powerful. No one could defeat him in the universe, getting all these benedictions. Right? And then to the last point, having a son named Pala, who is such the most exalted devotee. And then he, he's surviving every torment of it. Even to the point of you know, Ranyakashvi wanted to finish off the job himself. Where is your God? He's in the pillar. Already? 
Telling the story or anything. Okay, I think this is Vishnu. Let's take him on. <laughs> and this manifestation, the Simhadev, it's a manifestation of his soft-heartedness. Like here we have the mother looking after the children. If some man or something came to attack the small baby, how would the mother or the father react? Like a lion. Full of fierce fury. How dare you? How dare you touch this poor, innocent devotee of mine? Especially a five-year-old kid. Full of raging roar and... <laughs> but at the same time, which is more amazing, is that he kept the benedictions given by Lord Brahma, his pure devotee. Bhaktivatthal, he never... Um, he never lets the honor of his pure devotee fall down. Declare it, O Bodhi, Arjuna, my devotee will never perish. So that's one thing that's there. He wanted to fight. The Lord wanted to exercise his fighting. Another one regarding to this, um, this verse is that the importance of respecting the Vaishnavas or the Brahmanas. Vaishnavas or any Brahmanas. Uh, in this particular episode, one um, amazing lesson that I learned, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam is kind of like that, where it can, like, when we first get in touch with Srila Prabhupada's books, they can turn your life around right away. You know, you read that small book, you read Science of Self-Realization, it's like, that's it, no more me. You know, <laughs> got to change my life, got to start chanting, got to start being a good person. So something just changes your life around. But when you, when you go on with devotional service, so there is a tendency to take it for granted. You think that, okay, I'm a devotee now, it's okay. You know, um, as long as I sort of chant, come to the temple sometimes, uh, take prasada, be good to the devotees, yeah, I'm okay, I'm all right. See, there's no like, like urgency to improve or uh, a, create a revolution in oneself. So, Srimad Bhagavatam is like that. There's always some verse that pops up and it's like, it just turns your life around. So, one particular thing that happened is that when the four Kumaras, they got offended by being blocked into going into Vaikuntha, um, the Lord came, Lord Narayan came, and he apologized to the four Kumaras because he says that the Master is responsible for any wrongdoing of the servants. Because my servants did the wrong thing by offending you, then I'm sorry. You know, Brahmins like you should be worshipped. I take the dust from your feet on my head. He even said stuff like that. And even to the point of saying that to make up for this offense, I'll even chop off my own arm. Lord Narayan himself will chop off his <laughs> Like he has said something. So when you hear Lord Narayan say something like that, then you can understand, wait a minute. Devotees are not ordinary. Srila <laughs> Prabhupada, again, in these purports leading up to this episode, he will continuously address the importance of respecting the Vaishnavas and the severeness of Vaishnava Parad. And the Lord Himself gives the great example of how to treat the Vaishnavas, or to treat the Brahmanas, treat the Vaishnavas. Um, uh, the Lord is always anxious to serve sages like the Kumaras. But in spite of knowing this fact, 
the dormant astonishingly and outrageously prohibit them from entering. So there's a it says here Bhagavat Pratikula Shilo, which means having a nature displeasing to the Lord. Having a nature which is displeasing to the Lord. So we look at the example of the Lord Himself. How did he receive the Brahmanas, his, his devotees who were Brahmanas, or even those devotees? Um, when Narada Muni came to visit um, and see uh, in Dwaraka Krishna having different pastimes with, with his queens, and one palace he was playing chess, one palace he was playing with his kids, another one he was uh, giving charity. So every time he entered a palace, Krishna would receive him, he was like, Oh, Narada Muni, please take a seat. He'll wash his feet, sprinkle the water on his head. Narada Muni took it just to understand that he was trying to set the example. And then Narada Muni go to the next palace, and then Krishna act like he didn't see him in the last palace, and he'll do it again. <laughs> and again and again. And then Narada Muni couldn't take it so much that he, like when he started to approach him to wash his feet again, he'll walk out. He'll <laughs> disappear again. Another example is when uh, Krishna's friend Sadama Vipra came to visit him. Uh, you know, he was, you know, torn clothes, dirty, you know, uh, shriveled up, very skinny, couldn't eat anything, couldn't even get have any food or any gift to get. He had to beg around and get chip rice to bring for Krishna. And you can imagine if someone walked into like a very uh, opulent building like you can imagine that like you have one of your corporate buildings in the city and then some guy walks in and he's got dirty clothes and he stinks and he doesn't look uh, very clean you know straight away what does he do they don't receive him well maybe the security will receive him and then kick him out right but uh, you see on the Krishna uh, being very dear to the devotees being dear to the brahmanas he very dear. He he's, uh, he takes special care of the cows and the brahmins. Invites him straight in. My dear friend Sadama, how are you doing? Give him a hug, everything, you know. <laughs> See, he give, takes him his seat, washes his feet, and it's got that picture. They have tears in their eyes and everything like that. And. The goddess of fortune, Rukmini Devi, was totally surprised of how he received such a, um, what appeared to be a low class, but like a very, you know, shriveled up person. So this is the Lord. And I just wanted to read one pastime from Krishna book, to still, just to knock it down more, to understand that the devotees are not ordinary. And that we should... Um, always remember that. So this is from the 89th chapter called The Super Excellent Power of Krishna. Long, long ago, there was an assembly of great sages on the bank of the river, river Saraswati to perform a great sacrifice of the name Satra. In such assemblies, the great sages present usually discuss Vedic subject matters and philosophical topics. In this particular meeting, the following question was raised. The three predominant deities of this material world, namely Lord Brahma, Lord Vishnu, and Lord Shiva, are directing all the affairs of this cosmos, but among them, who is the Supreme? After much discussion on this question, 
The great sage named Brigo, the son of Lord Brahma, was deputed, deputed to test all three predominant deities and report to the assembly as to who is the greatest. Being thus deputed, the great sage Brigo Muni first of all went to his father's residence in Brahmaloka. The three deities are the controllers of the three material qualities, namely the qualities of goodness, passion and ignorance. The plan decided upon the sages was for Brigu to test which one of the predominating deities possessed the quality of goodness in full. Therefore, when Brigu Muni reached his father, Lord Brahma, because Brigu wanted to test whether Brahma had the quality of goodness, he purposely did not offer his respects to his father, either by offering obeisances or by offering prayers. It is the duty of a son or a disciple to offer respects and recite suitable prayers when he approaches his father or spiritual master. But Brigamuni purposely failed to offer respects just to see Lord Brahma's reaction to his negligence. Lord Brahma was very angry at his son's impudence. He showed signs which definitely proved this to be so. He was even prepared to condemn Brigo by cursing him. But because Brigo was his son, Lord Brahma controlled his anger with his great intelligence. This means that although the quality of passion was prominent in Lord Brahma, he had the power to control it. Lord Brahma's anger and his controlling his anger uh, are likened to fire and water. Water is produced from fire at the beginning of creation, but fire can be extinguished with water. Similarly, although Lord Brahma was very angry due to his quality of passion, he could still control his passion because Brigamuni was his son. After testing Lord Brahma, Brigamuni went directly to Mount Kailash, where Lord Shiva resides. Brigamuni happened to be Lord Shiva's brother. Therefore, as soon as Brigamuni approached, Lord Shiva was very glad and personally rose to embrace him. But when Lord Shiva approached, Brigamuni refused to embrace him. My dear brother, he said, you're always impure because you smear your body with ashes and you are not very clean. Please, don't touch me. When Brigamuni refused to embrace his brother, saying that Lord Shiva was impure, the latter became very angry with him. It is said that an offense can be committed either with the body, with the mind, or by speech. Brigamuni's first offense committed toward Lord Brahma was an offense with the mind. His second offense committed toward Lord Shiva by insulting and criticizing him for his unclean habits was an offense by speech. Because the quality of ignorance is prominent in Lord Shiva, when he heard Brigo's insult, his eyes immediately became red with anger. With uncontrollable rage, he took up his trident and prepared to kill Brigamuni. At that time, Lord Shiva's wife, Parati, was present. Her personality, like Lord Shiva, is a mixture of the three qualities and therefore she is called Chi Gunamai. In this case, she saved the situation by invoking Lord Shiva's quality of goodness. She fell down at the feet of her husband and with a sweet word she talked to him out of killing Brigamuni. After being saved from the anger of Lord Shiva, Brigamuni went directly to the planet of Swetatvip, where Lord Vishnu is lying on a bed of flowers in the company of his wife, the goddess of fortune. 
who was engaged in massaging his lotus feet. There, Rigamuni personally committed the greatest sin by offending Lord Vishnu by his bodily activities. The first offense committed by Rigamuni was mental. The second offense was vocal. And the third offense was corporal. These different offenses are progressively greater in degree. An offense committed within the mind is a positive offense. The same offense committed verbally is comparatively more grave. But when committed by bodily action, it is superlative in offensiveness. So Brigamuni committed the greatest offense by kicking the chest of the Lord in the presence of the goddess of fortune. Of course, Lord Vishnu is all merciful. He did not become angry at the activities of Brigamuni. For Brigamuni was a great Brahmana. A Brahmana is to be excused even if he sometimes committed an offense. And Lord Vishnu set the example. Yet it is said that from the time of this incident, the goddess of fortune Lakshmi has not been very favorably disposed toward the Brahmanas. And therefore, because the goddess of fortune withholds her benedictions from them, the Brahmanas are all generally very poor. Brigamuni's kick in the chest of the Lord was certainly a great offense, but Lord Vishnu is so great that he did not care. The so-called Brahmanas of the Kali Yuga are sometimes very proud that a great Brahmana like Brigamuni could touch the chest of Lord Vishnu with his foot. But in fact, Brigamuni kicked the chest of Lord Vishnu. Uh, it was the greatest offense, although Lord Vishnu, being greatly magnanimous, did not take it very seriously. Instead of being very angry or cursing Brigamuni, Lord Vishnu merely got up from his bed along with his wife, the goddess of fortune, and offered respectful obeisances to the Brahmana. He addressed Brigamuni as follows My dear Brahmana, it is my greatest fortune that you have come here. Please, therefore, sit down on this cushion for a few minutes, my dear Brahmana. I am very sorry that when you first entered my home, I could not receive you properly. It was a great offense on my part. And I beg you to pardon me. You are so pure and great that the water which washes your feet can purify even the places of pilgrimage. Therefore, I request you to purify the Vaikuntha planet where I live with my associates. My dear father, O great sage, I know that your feet are very soft, like a lotus flower, and my chest is very hard as a thunderbolt. I am therefore afraid that you may have felt some pain by kicking my chest. Let me touch your feet to relieve the pain you have suffered. Lord Vishnu then began to massage the feet of Brigamuni. Lord, the Lord continued to address Brigham. My dear Lord, he said, my chest has now become sanctified because of the touch of your feet. And I am now assured that the goddess of fortune Lakshmi will be very glad to live there perpetually. Another name for Lakshmi is Chanchala, indicating that she does not stay in one place for a long time. Therefore, we see that a rich man's family sometimes becomes poor after a few generations. And sometimes we see that a poor man's family becomes very rich. Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune, is Chanchala in this material world. Whereas the Vaikuntha plant, she eternally lives at the lotus feet of the Lord. Because Lakshmi is famous at Chanchala, Lord Narayan indicated that she might not have been living perpetually by his chest, 
But because his chest has been touched by the feet of Brigamuni, it is now sanctified, and there was no chance that the goddess of fortune would leave. Brigamuni, however, could understand his position, and that the Lord, and he, he was struck with wonder at the behavior of the supreme person our goddess. Because of his gratitude, his voice choked up, and he was unable to reply to the Lord, words of the Lord. Tears glided from his eyes, and he could not say anything. He simply stood silently before the Lord. So, um, yeah, we can see the, how the Lord receives the devotees. <laughs> You know, every morning we say, So, we should always remember this. Uh, they're just like desire trees. Yeah? They're just like desire trees. You feel all your desires. I've had a situation like that here in Melbourne. <laughs> there was a time uh, I was struggling with my spiritual life uh, very severely. I was still new, but I was staying in the ashram. And I uh, was uh, many times visits to Aniruddha's Prabhu's office, you know, to try and sort me out. <laughs> and then he just told me, what do you want to do? And I said, all I want to do is Harinam and Rishima Bhagavatam. He goes, all right, you're in charge of the Harinam. At that time, I didn't appreciate, I didn't know what he meant, because I was still new and... I was thinking, how could I be in charge of the Harinam or whatever? But I can see now from his benediction that um, I'm able to do Harinam and Rishima Bhagavatam as like my main service. So you can see how the devotees have filled his eyes. Uh, they are oceans of mercy and full of compassion for conditioned souls, fallen conditioned souls like, like us. You know, uh, the only way we can get in touch with devotional service is only through the devotees. And they're always compassionate towards us. You may have some, some, in, some altercation with some devotee. They may be like, you know, Fish. But you don't stay away from them. You stay with them. No matter what happens. You know, Gov- Govinda Maharaj would say, like, just tolerate, 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 and go back to God. You know, so, um, actually, it's, you know, to be with, amongst the devotees, it's not only just shelter. We always think that oh, they should be nice to me, shelter. That's there. That's automatically there. But also, the more higher form of kindness is that they, they go out of their way to correct you. You know, if you're being proud or something, you know. Krishna arranges in sort of, such a way that a devotee will come and teach you to not to be proud, you know, and chastise you or set up a situation when you become humble again. We should always have trust in the devotees. And anytime the mind kicks in and says that this devotee or that devotee is holding me back, it's the mind. Understand it's just the material mind. It's too crazy. Every time it thinks the negative of the devotees, it's just the material mind. Because devotees, every single devotee, whatever level, have some, everyone has a unique relationship with Krishna. So Krishna reveals to them 
that relationship and they have something special that they can offer everyone within that relationship. Every devotee is special. So, from this pastime, um, the second point is that that the, even the Lord worships the devotees. And you can see that within our Panchatattva mantra, Gorobhaktavinna. You know, the devotees are also within the mantra we chant. That includes them. So, um, so how should we go with uh, Vaishnava etiquette? Um, my policy that I sort of developed, or I guess it's from what I've read, is that when in doubt, if you don't know if there's something between you and a devotee, if you're doubtful whether it's a good relation or not, just pay obeisances. <laughs> when in doubt, just pay obeisances. Because devotees by nature are forgiving. They don't hold a grudge like the materialists. Very forgiving. And then, um, just one more, just to knock it home, <laughs> the importance of devotee association. Um, what's his name? Uh, Radhika Raman. He, he did his uh, PhD on Jiva Goswami. That's Radhika Raman. Yep. So he was helping with Lokana Swami's book. And um, he became very close with Maharaj. And one time they were walking along the beach and he asked Maharaj, is there one thing um, that I can hold on to for the rest of my Krishna conscious life, like for the rest of my life? He said, yeah, sure. And he's, he was quiet for a while. And he says, you know, uh, at Kumbamela, there's like a time when you go to bathe. So, um, when, if you're in the middle of the crowd and it's time to go and bathe, whether you change your mind or not, you're going to end up in the Ganga. Right? Because the crowd will just take you there. Like that. But if you're on the outside like that, maybe you can run away. But if you're right in the middle, you're going to be in the Ganga. So in the same way, you should stay packed up in the crowd of devotees, in the association. If real packed up, right in the middle of it all. Because even if you um, don't, like if you change your mind to go back to Godhead, like you don't want to go anymore, the devotees will force you to go back because you're in the association. Whether you don't want it, they'll take you. <laughs> so that's the benediction of devotees um, and devotee association. So I'll stop here. If there's any comments or questions, corrections, <laughs> for Indeshma to add something. Yes, Ruth? Krishna book, it's cool. <laughs>
Don't hate, appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, appreciate what they are doing. Because eventually that gets purified, right? It's up to them how quickly they want to get rid of those anatas. But um, if you're in a position of authority where it's your service to correct the maybe a spiritual master or a manager or an ashram leader, then to look past that and not do anything about it, then yeah, that's not a good thing. Um, so I guess if it's someone that's dependent on you, maybe you brought them to Krishna consciousness and they, they respect you and you have a relationship with them, then yes, you know, nicely correct them. You can do a sandwich form where it's like, you're a very nice devotee. I'm telling you this because I love you very much. <laughs> uh, please don't cut the queue. Please wait patiently in line. But what you're doing, how you clean the temple hall afterwards, very nice job. Thank you so much for doing that service. Yeah. So that that's a good way. If you have if you're in a position and you have to correct someone, that's usually the recommended way. Um, but um, you may get more severe cases, I want to address that it came up, where you have those who leave Krishna consciousness, they go into drugs, alcohol, meat eating, these activities. And then they come back, or they don't come back. And maybe they make an appearance, maybe come to the restaurant, or they come for a prasadam one time. How should you treat them? Um, Krishna Bhagavad Gita says that if their determination is sincere, even though they did an abominable act, because it's maestro and there can be accidents, if their determination is sincere, then you should accept them as saintly. So, always try and find the good parts and blow it up, you know, and then if there's any negative, you know, disregard it. And usually when we see a fault in someone else, and we probably do have it ourselves, and we just project it on someone else. So you can look internally as well. So if someone cuts the cure, is greedy, or is um, inconsiderate of others. Well, look at yourself. Am I also? And then you sort of calm down a bit. You know, you're a bit easy on the other person because you have it too. <laughs> if you have a problem with anger or controlling people, oh, yeah, I guess I have it too. All right. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> and if you're, if you're breaking, if your heart's breaking and there's nothing you can do about this person's impediments in devotion service, then prayer is the best way to go. Pray for them, pray to the deities to help them, you know, as well. Because he's in their heart. So if it, that usually that, I heard this, usually we're in devotional service because someone's praying for us. Especially the spiritual master. So I hope I addressed all your points, Sadika. Yeah.
Any other comments or questions? Jai Gantara Shrimad Bhagavatam Ki Shri Prabhupada Ki Go to Brahmananda